Hey, welcome to Optimize Your Body with Martin Silva, where we talk raw, uncut facts to truly help you optimize your body. Hello, everyone. How on earth are you? Thanks for tuning in. Today, I'm going to be talking about intuitive eating versus calorie counting or calorie restriction. Let's stick with calorie counting for now. For fat loss, muscle gain, and overall health, really, because there's different methods we can use to change the way our body looks, whether that's, like I said, losing body fat or building muscle. And there's different methods we can use to build a healthy relationship with food. So the reason I'm doing this podcast is because I put a post out the other day and the post was uh, like a little quote of me saying, my clients who get the best results are the same clients who are willing to take 10 minutes out of their day to track their calorie intake. And then I said, see study below. So I had a lot of messages regarding this and most of them good, but some of them a little bit negative. So let's talk about intuitive eating first. Okay. Now what is intuitive eating? I've actually done a blog post on this as well, which you can check out on the website, but intuitive eating doesn't happen overnight. It's not something where you just go, that's it. I'm going to start intuitive eating. I'm just going to eat based on the hunger signals I have built into me and I'm going to get to my goals that way. It's not quite that simple. And there's a big movement of people now online where, and, and I agree with some of the stuff they talk about. For example, you know, maybe a lot of them are against calorie tracking, which I'm not, right? However, they say, you know, it's okay to gain weight. It's totally fine. You know, you just love your body and it's not always a bad thing that you're putting on weight, which it's not because, you know, we're, we're in a, in this day and age, people are more insecure than ever really uh, about their bodies and whatnot, you know, especially with the emergence of social media and all this kind of stuff uh, with teenagers, but that's another conversation. So yes, we don't want to be pushing people into a state of orthorexia where they're really obsessed with their body and they're tracking everything, constantly looking in the mirror, you know, really eventually down on themselves, right? Because they're obsessing so much about their physique uh, that they really, really end up depressed and anxious and body image issues just accelerate if you're focusing too much on aesthetics, which is part of our philosophy. So before I go too much into that, right, our philosophy is the holistic approach at Optimize Your Body, right? Our goal is always to get people to make their health a priority. And we always try to get people to switch their mindset from focusing on the aesthetics, because let's face it, that is what we kind of specialize in, building bodies. You know, I prepare people for the stage. So I do a lot of competition prep online. And obviously, having competed myself a total of nine times now, Andrew and I have both been aesthetic driven for a long time until about, say, four years ago, we managed to switch our mindset to focusing on eating more whole foods, cutting out processed foods, um, building strength in the gym. Instead of just focusing on the pump we were getting and how our body would look from certain types of training, we started focusing on strength, getting as strong as we could, mobility. All these things which take you one step closer to a healthier mind and a healthier body. And not to mention longevity as well, right? That's what it's all about. 
So when we talk about intuitive eating, you know, yes, that should be the end goal, but it doesn't just happen, right? So to get in tune with the hunger signals we have, it can take a long time because what happens is we're born as babies and we have these built-in intuitive signals telling us when we were hungry, we'll cry when we're hungry, and then we'll eat whatever it is. We're built in with those signals without them being, how can I say this, hijacked in a way or corrupted because that's what happens. You know, most of you can probably relate to this. We grow up eating foods, processed foods. We grow up having cereal for breakfast, you know, white bread with jam on. So we grow up having these things, eating these foods and having them at our disposal. And, you know, it's not always, there's some good to come out of these foods, right? We fed these foods can be packaged and preserved for a long time. And we fed a lot of people with these foods, right? But now it's come to a point where, you know, we're facing an obesity epidemic, right? So unfortunately, intuitive eating, it doesn't work for most people long term, right? So you can already see my arguments going more towards the calorie tracking. However, let's talk more about intuitive eating. So as I say, we're born with these signals, but what happens is they get hijacked and we end up eating based on context, right? We don't know what it's like for the most part in these westernized countries such as, well, my audience is mainly the US, Australia, and the UK. Westernized countries, all three of these countries, privileged countries, not third world countries, right? So we really don't know what it's like to be hungry. Although a lot of you may be listening to that saying, get out of here. I'm hungry. I know what hunger is like. I feel hunger every day. Believe it or not, without being patronizing, most of that is habit and cravings and signals which have been built in from your behaviors with food. Okay. So we eat primarily based on context. I'll give you an example. We go to the cinema. We have a huge association with cinema and popcorn. So we eat food. Are we hungry at that point? No, nah, we're not hungry. We eat because it's entertaining. It's part of the experience, which is great. And look, there's some amazing things to come out of eating when we're not hungry, right? I'll get to that. Also, you know, eating in front of the TV. And that's another thing we associate when we're watching TV with eating, right? So I've said this before, eating in front of the TV is linked to overeating, right? It's, it's actually deadly when you eat in front of the TV because you're completely mindless, right? But that goes into context. I eat in front of the TV on the weekend. I'm not saying I don't do it, right? But it's a habit. And, you know, I ate some food, I had my meal. And then I was like, oh, you know, I wanted to watch some Netflix. I thought, do you know what? I'll eat, I wanted to have some more food. And I thought, I'll just eat this in front of the TV. And I probably overate a little bit, not the end of the world. But that's another example. Also, boredom as well. You know, like sometimes if you, let's just say on the weekend, on a Sunday, you're having a day where you're spending most of the day inside, relaxing. That for me and for all the clients I've trained, and bear in mind, Andrew and I between us, probably trained near a thousand or maybe over a thousand people between us over the last, you know, 25 to 30 years between us. That's the experience we have as coaches. And a lot of them can agree, can, can identify with this. When they're at home on the weekends, they get bored, they eat, right? That's what we do as humans. So that's another thing. And stress is another big one. We eat when we're stressed. And a lot of times we don't realize it. We don't stop and think, oh, am I hungry? If I drink some water now, am I still going to be hungry? We don't think like that. We're humans. Um, we're very impulsive. 
And like I said, we've got these built-in signals, which have been maybe a little bit corrupted over the years, from what I've gathered, right? We're facing an obesity epidemic and all the rest of it, as I mentioned, right? But talking about stress, you know, 40% of people roughly, based on studies, 40% of people, when they're under quite a lot of stress, they tend to overeat. 40% of people undereat. You can probably, a lot of you can probably identify one of those, yeah? Uh, and then 20% of people kind of eat roughly the same when they're stressed. So it's a big link between certain feelings we have built in, uh, certain, uh, the environment we're in, the stress we're under. As I said, uh, the context, the associations, and also hunger cues as well. So, for example, these habits we build in. If you, um, let me just give you an example. You go to Starbucks, okay? You go to Starbucks, you go to the drive-thru, right? You're ordering your coffee, and then you see all the cakes on the menu. You know you can, re- a lot of you can relate to this because I've been there, right? You see the cakes or whatever it is. This doesn't have to be Starbucks, by the way, but let's just say for argument's sake, you see so, uh, a, a carrot cake on the menu, right? I love carrot cake. And you're battling with yourself. You get to the speaker. You crumble, right? You, you, you just give in. You get the cake. You get the coffee. You go to Starbucks the next day. You go to the drive-thru. Boom. Straight away, you have the queue there, right? Where you order your coffee, and then you're like, oh, that cake was really nice. Your brain will release dopamine, the pleasure hormone, which gives you that euphoric feeling when you're eating highly palatable foods, certain parts of your brain will light up and stimulate the release of dopamine into your brain before you actually, because of the experience, right? Like I said, because of the cue, you'll get all those feelings before you've even ordered the food. Just like drugs, you can use cocaine as an example, right? Um, Certain parts of the brain, the reward pathway is the same pathway which is activated um, you know, with drugs as well. It, the mechanisms are a bit different and it works a little bit differently, but it's very similar. So, you know, it's going to give you, when you think about, like, for example, I read this in a book as well, people who do, using cocaine as an example, they'll actually get a rush of dopamine before they even get the hits. Probably a bigger spike of dopamine than they'll actually get when they take the drug. It's the same thing as the food. I'm going off here a bit, right? But, The next day, you go to Starbucks, boom, you get that feeling. You're like, oh, the battle begins again. And then let's just say you crumble again and you get it. And then you start cementing that habit in then, right? Because it's a hunger cue, which you built in. So intuitive eating, right? That's just an example of, you know, how the brain works when it comes to eating and hunger signals, right? So the average person gains about 1 to 1.5 pounds of body fat, just body fat, not weight, each year, right? So I can guarantee you most of those people, and that's no disrespect, I'm not trying to, you know, look down on anyone. Most of them will probably never track the calorie in their life, right? Maybe they have and they didn't, didn't get along with it and they stopped. Because anyone I've met who's, tr- who's gone through the process of tracking their calorie intake, as I always say, you can use an app. You can use apps nowadays. MyFitnessPal is, is the best app, I would say. It's called MyFitnessPal. People who track on there and they're consistent with it, they become more aware and they generally start hitting their goals better and they set themselves up for long-term success, right? So I guess you can see what I'm concluding with here, right? Intuitive eating, right? Doesn't work for most people. That's the bottom line. It really, can you get in great result, uh, great shape? Can you lose body fat? Can you build muscle? You know, Can you get a better state of overall health? 
just by guessing, because that's essentially what you're doing when you're, when you're eating without tracking. You're guessing, okay, in terms of the calories you're eating. Um, but do you know what? If you're not eating many processed foods and you're naturally eating a lot of whole foods, which, by the way, 90% of people, based on my experience, are really not doing that. Um, if you are, though, can you get in great shape? Sure, you can get in great shape without actually tracking and eating intuitively. But that's very, very rare, right? Now, eating based on what your body needs is something I'm doing now, right? So I'm exactly four weeks, just over four weeks uh, post-show. So I talked uh, on a previous podcast about my reverse dieting experience. So I've done really well with it. And it was a battle, people, because I said this on the last thing. I won't go too much into it, but you're trying to slowly increase your calories back up, right? And obviously your body's been starved. And talk about the hunger signals. Um, so I talk about the uh, the cues and the stimulation of your uh, the brain in terms of the foods you eat, right? I was, you know, finding it hard to stop eating. But maybe it's because I don't eat, you know, I don't eat very often. I eat like three meals a day. So, you know, if I was getting up and eating first thing in the morning, uh, that kind of stimulates my appetite. So maybe I would have struggled more. But because I'm, I only eat three times a day, you know, I managed to slowly build, um, increase my body weight, build some muscle. Yes, I've gained some fat over the last four weeks. Um, but there's always that danger of binge eating and consuming way too many calories post-show and putting lots of body fat on. And sometimes that body fat you can't lose, right? So without going too much into that, right, that is what I'm doing now. I'm not tracking. So since my show, obviously I was meticulously tracking my calorie intake leading up to my show. And then post-show, the plan was to have a few weeks, maybe even a few months off. And I haven't tracked a single thing for the last four weeks. But... I know roughly what calories and macros I'm consuming, but going back to what I'm, I was saying about guessing, I'm still guessing, right? I'm still guessing. I'm guessing in my head roughly what calories I'm having, um, but because I eat whole foods most of the time, now it's taken me a long time to get to the point where I can eat intuitively, right? But I can guarantee you if I start tracking again, I'll still be like, wow, I didn't realize I was having that much fat because I eat a lot of fat, right? Um, generally, anyway, I function well when I have quite a high fat diet. About 40 to 50% of my calories are mainly healthy fats, but a decent amount of saturated fats as well. So I'll still be shocked every time I go back to tracking and I'll always go back to tracking at some point. Even where I'm at now, I could continue the rest of my life intuitively in and be perfectly healthy and everything and all the rest of it, still get great results in my body, but when I start tracking, I just get that next level of awareness and I start learning, learn, uh, sorry, learning more and more about what my body, how my body responds to certain foods and it just goes up a level. So, you know, to get to the point where you're eating based just on what your body needs and to continue to get good results, it, it's a long road. I shouldn't say it's a long road because that sounds a bit glum, but you know it doesn't happen overnight. So to conclude, right, intuitive eating. There's a big movement of people who are saying, you know, love your body, eat what you want, you know, all the, the kind of fat shaming stuff that's going on. And I understand it, right? Now, we should never be shaming anyone um, regardless of the situation. We should never look down on people regardless, whether they're overweight or whatever it is, right? But when it comes to long-term success and actually building awareness about calories, you know, calorie management, 
macronutrients, you know, how much protein you need, uh, fiber, how much fiber you're consuming, all these kind of things, you know, you, you kind of have to learn. Now, when we, when we move on to calorie counting, right, I'd just like to say one more thing with intuitive eating. If you're eating um, vegetables, lots of vegetables, right, that's one thing I would say to someone. If you've got no, listening to this and you're like, I am not tracking, I'm not going down the road, I don't want to do it, you know, whatever the reason is, try just focusing on eating more, just making small changes, like eating vegetables with every meal. Now, most of us are grossly under-eating vegetables. So if you can make a point of preparing vegetables or salads or whatever, and having, even if it's one big salad a day, if you're not having any, if you're listening to this and you already eat loads of vegetables and salad, then just make sure you're having vegetables with every meal. And that alone is a game changer, right? Because there's certain compounds in vegetables, which are very important for, you know, antioxidants to keep your immune system strong and all that. But without going into that, the fiber and all the other nutrients help satiate you uh, as well. And protein is the number one thing, though, for blunting your appetite. So if you're not a vegan or vegetarian, have a maybe a fist size of meat, roughly, with every meal. If you're having red meat, make sure it's grass-fed. Um, you know, have good quality wild fish if you're going to have that. Wherever it is, have a small amount of fish or eggs with each meal. Uh, lots of nutrients in those foods, but also the protein is going to help blunt your appetite. Okay, and that's one step closer to intuitive eating because you're eating foods which are going to satiate you. They're going to provide you with nutrients. But if you eat in any kinds of processed foods and you're thinking of not tracking whatsoever good luck because those foods are designed to make us overeat. In fact, to quote another study, they did a recent study and it was all a randomized control study. And long story short, people who ate, now they ate the same amount of calories and the same amount of macronutrients. They matched them up quite well, right? And one group of people were eating, they had unlimited access to processed foods. The other group had unlimited access to whole foods. And guess what happened? The people who were eating the processed foods ate on average 508 calories extra a day, right? That is exactly a pound of fat a week. Crazy, right? And you know what they did? I know you may be thinking, oh yeah, but what if they had certain tendencies anyway, that group? They swapped the groups over and the same thing happened, right? So it's not that processed foods directly make you gain weight, make you unhealthy and sick or whatever. Um, It's the fact that they make you overeat calories. Those foods are designed to make you eat more. So, moving on to calorie counting, right? Now, intuitive eating is where you want to be. It's a destination. That's where, that is the holy grail. That's where I want each and every one of you listening, I want you to get to that point eventually. I can't stress that enough. Getting to where I'm at now, where Andrew's at, where we just eat based on what we need because we naturally go for the whole foods, right? that's where you want to be. And the clients have got to that level, man, it's so rewarding um, to see where they're at and how their life's transformed and how they're healthier humans, their mental health's improved. Um, all, and then obviously the physique comes as a byproduct, right? So that is the destination. But calorie tracking is essential as a starting point, right? I'll say that again. It's essential as a starting point. Now, I will say before I go into that, is there will be a tiny minority of people, maybe within the one to 2%, right, who 
will become super upset. These are normally people who've had a history of eating disorders. You know, it could be anorexia, the binge eating disorder, bulimia, you name it. People who have a history of that, I would say, don't track, right? So there's always that minority. Maybe the, the minority is bigger than that. Let's just say it's 10% of people. They might end up being worse off because it might cause anxiety, stress, a major obsession. It might cause them to starve themselves even more. But listen, that's never happened to me personally. Uh, even the people who don't want to track, like most people, uh, they've always ended up better off most of the time, the ones who are consistent with it. So it's essential as a starting point, but tracking your calories and macros for the rest of your life, get out of here. I don't want anyone doing that. It's a terrible destination. And that's why I want to talk, I'm going to talk about, you know, there's two camps. There's the intuitive eating and um what, what, you love your body and all that kind of woo-woo stuff. Then there's the IIFYM crowd. If none of you have heard of this crowd, it's the if it fits your macros, IIFYM. That is what they preach. Like it doesn't matter what you eat. You could eat Pop-Tarts, you can eat ice cream, and you can get in shape, and that's all that matters. As long as you track and you stay within your calorie, before I go too much into it, bullshit, right? It doesn't work. Again, a lot of people who adopt the IIFYM and they, they're hashtagging IIFYM in all their posts, they have normally just replaced one eating disorder with another, right? So they're finding ways to fit those shitty processed foods that they're addicted to into their diet, right? Most of them. And that's not to say it doesn't work. It does work for a lot of people. Um, you know, IIFYM, just you know, tracking your macros and calories and just mainly making that a focus, that can be a great starting point. However, that should be very short term. It's about eating the right foods, right? So awareness is the first step when it comes to behavior change and building healthier habits. So when you start tracking your food intake using, let's just say my fitness pal as an example, what will happen is you start becoming more aware of what you were eating. As I said, even now, if I start tracking again, I'm probably eating a lot more calories than what I'm assuming in my head. That's normally what happens most of the time. Most people under-report calories. Like, the amount of people I've asked as clients, I'm like, you know, how's, how's your nutrition at the moment? Oh, yeah, I eat very, very healthy. You know, I, um, I, tend, I don't really eat a great deal, really. Um, and, then, you know, they've struggled with, with weight gain for, for a while, for example. I've had, had this in the past. And then I'll get them to track, and they'll be like, wow, mind blown. Because they're aware of how much sugar they're consuming, you know, the, the calories they're having. Most of the time, people think they're having a lot less than what they are. And that awareness is key. It's the first step, right? Because like I said, you're, really, you're either tracking or you're guessing. Um, yeah, and I've had, talking about awareness, I've had clients, right, who have tracked for a few months, lost a significant amount of body fat, and managed to sustain it just from tracking. That's not me giving them any advice whatsoever. Just from tracking alone, they were like, wow, I did not realize I was having that much sugar uh, and I was um, that low on protein. Simple things like that. Most people are kind of under-eating protein and overeating sugar, right? And a lot of the time, under-eating healthy fats as well. That's another one. And fiber is normally too low for most people. But fiber comes with whole foods. So if you're eating plenty of vegetables and plenty of whole foods, a little bit of fruit, you're going to get enough fiber in. So that awareness, folks, right? It's key. 
Now, a lot of people always, I still get this, people ask me for meal plans. Can you write me a meal plan? As humans, we're always looking for the quickest, easiest way to get in shape. Now, three, four years ago, I started writing people meal plans, right? And I had no place doing it, really. I didn't know anywhere near what I know now about nutrition. And I was giving people cookie-cutter meal plans, um, you know, giving them similar foods to eat and saying, stick to this. And guess what? You know, it doesn't work. It really doesn't work, you know. Um, 95% of people will not stick to a meal plan long-term. So the smart way to do it, what I do do for people now, for my online clients, and even for my PT clients, if they ask, um, is I will give them like a shopping list. So I'll say, right, I don't give meal plans. Although I do, right, I do write them out a meal plan. Like I had a guy I've taken on recently, and I wrote him out um, two different example meal plans. So I give him a list of foods I want him to buy on his shopping list. And then I put two days worth of food together, basically three meals each day and a variety of different foods, which I've taken off that list. And I calculated for him as well into the calories and macros. So he knew exactly what he was doing. He didn't follow it though, because I looked on his uh, diary, which is totally fine, but he wanted that. So I give it to him, right? So, you know, you might be thinking, you know, I just want a meal plan. I want to just be told what to do. That's what most people want. Tell me what to do and I'll do it. The amount of times I get people coming to me and they're like, right, that's it. That's it now. I've had a, even some of my clients now, you know, I went overboard on the weekends. Give me what I need. Give me the meal plan. Give me the training plan and I'll stick to it. And I'll, and it's like that approach. Unfortunately, I know it sounds frustrating. It just doesn't work long-term. That might work for a few days, or at maximum for a few weeks, right? And that's, I guess, talking about meal plans as well. Um, following a meal plan, if it's very varied and you've given them, let's just say, three different days worth of food to eat, um, they may follow it maximum for a few weeks. And it won't be perfect, by the way, but they may follow it there and about for a few weeks, and that is maximum. And then, you know, you haven't changed any habits, right? So meal plans, right, are like giving a man a fish, just like Jordan Syatt said on my last podcast, give a man a fish, right? If you're giving a man a fish, you're going to feed him for a day. If you teach him how to fish, you'll feed him for a lifetime, right? So giving someone a meal plan is like giving them a fish. Getting someone to track and learn and report back to you so you can adjust their calories, their macros, tell them what foods to include and all the rest of it. That is teaching them how to fish and you'll feed them for a lifetime. So you'll get long-term sustainable health, you know, a leaner physique, uh, build more muscle, whatever your goal is, you're so much more likely to get there if you are aware of what is going in to your body, right? Like I said, it can become an obsession for a small amount of people, but I hate it when people say that, to be honest, because it's like, it's like, oh, well, I think it's silly, you know, people tracking their food and they're obsessed. And it's like, well, you know, normally that is the same kind of person who is not getting anywhere with their health and fitness goals. I'm sorry, but they'll talk about people like me or some of my clients who are tracking like they're obsessed, but really they're just more dedicated than them. And that's the bottom line, right? Um, it, it's just what it takes. It takes that awareness. It takes that accountability. And that's another thing I wanted to talk about. The app keeps you accountable, right? On the weekends, most of us over, overindulge, right? Guests of the weekend, we let our hair down, we drink, we eat, whatever, we get to a Monday, we're like, right, I'm back to it now. And then we're just like, right, back on track, whatever it is. But you have no idea of what you've consumed on the weekend if you haven't tracked, right? Whereas if you are, go through a stage of meticulous tracking, where even on the weekends, you're not going to be spot on, 
right? And this is where a lot of people kind of come undone with the track. And actually, whilst we're on this note, I do want to talk about this. Guests of the weekend, they'll go and have a meal out and they'll be like, oh, I couldn't find it in the app. And I just, I, I just, oh, I don't know, I just left it. And then the next day comes around, they're like, they'll track one thing and then they'll have something like, I don't know, like a, they'll make something at home where there's loads of different vegetables in. And because there's so many things to put in the app, they'll be like, oh man, it's too stressful. I'll just leave it and I'll come back to it Monday. That's not what you want to do. You want to estimate. This is why I always say to people, right? When it comes to tracking your food intake, it's all completely estimated. Do you know in America, for example, food labels are allowed to be 20 to 30% out. That's ridiculous, right? So that's how estimated these food labels are, right? So you could be tracking something. And let me tell you now, right? It ain't going to be more calories, it's obviously going to be less, right? If they're 20 to 30% out, they're not going to be over, are they? They're going to be under, right? They want you to think you're having less calories for obvious reasons, right? So they're either to be 20 to 30% out. So let's just say you're tracking a day where you've had like, let's just say, um, oh, here we go with the maths. I should say 1,500 calories you think you've had in a day or yeah, you've had 1,500 calories, right? That could be like actually over 2,000 calories you've had if they're 30% out, right? So it's all estimated. Food labels are estimated. And even the app is only, let's just say, 92 to 95% accurate. So there's a bit of give on the app as well. And uh, they're never going to be spot on, right? So this is why when you are tracking, use it as a guide. You're estimating, right? So don't get disheartened when you have a few meals out and you're guessing what food you've put in there, right? You're just estimating, or I'll just put this meal in there. Let's just say you have a meal out and you just want to put something. Because... So I'm going off on one a bit here, but I want to be a bit more specific, right? Because when you start using this app, you can track the exact food. So my fitness pal's got a huge library. Let's just say you go to the supermarket, Woolworths I go to here in Australia. It's got the exact products all in the app. All you do is type it in or scan the barcode and it'll bring it up. But if you're having a meal out in a restaurant somewhere, obviously you're not going to put the exact thing in there. So you just estimate. So what I'm trying to say is, you estimate what you have and you put everything in there, right? Otherwise, you've got nothing to go by, nothing. So don't get disheartened. If you do start tracking, uh, just guess. Put something in there. Otherwise, you would just guessing, right? So if you were to estimate on a week, let's just say you've had a bad weekend, you've drank loads of alcohol, you've eaten out five times. But if you put it in there, roughly what you've had, at least when you get to a Monday, you know where you're at. Roughly, roughly, there and about. You're like, okay, I average 3,000 calories a day, both days on Saturday and Sunday. You know, my maintenance calories are 2,000, right? So I've gone, I've gone 1,000 calories over both days on what I should be averaging over the week. But that's cool. I'll just cut back on Monday and Tuesday to 1,500, and I'll pretty much be back on track. It's that simple. So for me, when, online, when I pick up online clients, right, it is absolutely paramount. It's part of the drill that they have to track. For the first week or two weeks, I'm just trying to work out their maintenance calories. So I, I just, I'm just open. I say, listen, the more information and data I can get off you as a client, the faster we can get in the direction you want to go. So straight up with my online clients, you know, I do try to promote it with my PT clients as well. But with my online clients, I help them a lot with the nutrition side of it. It's mainly the nutrition I help them with. Um, I do, I do, the, I do both. I give them the training programs as well. But nutrition is where people really need the help. So I'll say to them, the first step is get tracking, 
and report back to me. Track your steps. I get people to track their movement and track their food intake. And then we can figure out where we're at. So, you know, I get people sustainable results and amazing results uh, when they are willing to take, going back to my post, to take 10 minutes, 15 minutes maybe at a push out of their day to track what food they're having, right? It sets you up for success, right? And there's been many studies done on this, right? There's this one study, which I uh, quoted on the uh, on the post that I made, where they done, it's only a short week study, it was a six week study, but they had people intuitive eating and they had another group uh, calorie restriction, essentially tracking their food intake. And what happened was, is the um, weight loss, because the, the goal was, to, it, the study was based on, um, on fat loss and weight loss, and intuitive eating versus calorie restriction. The ones who were tracking their calories um, stayed the same as the intuitive eaters who were just eating, you know, roughly what, they're just eating what they wanted, basically. And what happened was the they were the same up until about three weeks. They were roughly the same in terms of the weight loss. In fact, the intuitive eating group was a little bit quicker off the mark. But then the calorie counting group surpassed them and just, crushed it. They lost a lot. I can't remember how much it was now. It was something like 40% more or something, maybe not that much, but they lost a significant amount uh, more weight by the end of the six weeks. And they continued to, uh, after the study, apparently they continued on the track because they built that level of awareness and accountability, I guess. Um, so yeah, that's, it's, it's actually pretty important. Um, now a lot of you listen to this. I wanted to kind of summarize with, like I said, do you have to track your calories to get in shape? No, you can get in shape without it. But like I said, based on my experience, everyone, in fact, everyone who I've got in shape long-term has at some point tracked, even if it's just for a few months to build, to, to take that first step and learn about their body and, and, and calories in, calories out and all the other stuff, the macronutrients and all that. Even if it's for a few months, the, one who's, the ones who have taken that, uh, choice to track have got better results long term, right? So, you know, like I said, our philosophy is all about um, you sustaining this for a lifetime, you know, creating a healthy lifestyle where, you know, fitness becomes part of your lifestyle and not the other way around. And the same goes for diet, you know, diet, fitting your lifestyle around your eating is how it should be, not trying to fit your diet into your lifestyle, right? So, as I say, Based on the studies, based on our uh, experience, having coached so many people, the awareness, like anything in life, folks, you can, you can relate to this, awareness is key, right? Self-awareness is vital, right? And it's no different to nutrition and tracking. I hope that gave you some good knowledge bombs, and I hope you got some good takeaways from that. Um, as I've said before, if you can just message me on Instagram because uh, the podcast is still growing slowly but surely, um, but I'm losing track on uh, exactly who listens. So if you could uh, just drop me a direct message on Instagram, just let me know that you're a listener at Martin Silva Fitness. Go follow me on there, right? And send me a direct message. Say, hey, I listened to your podcast. Be good to get some feedback off you as well um, and just get to know who you are. So, uh, yeah, reach out to me on there and that is a wrap. Thank you very much for tuning in. Have a great day or great evening.